with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Indeed, it is hour two of five, our five hour, five days a week morning conversation. It's Austin at only morning sports conversation. And it's not just in Austin. If you have the uh, Horn app or on YouTube, you can listen and watch all over the state, all over the world to our morning conversation. Also on our Horn podcast, hornfm.com, you can go back and listen to any of the hours at any time that you would like to after Ty gets them uploaded and after the show is over, and we appreciate him doing that. So uh, we're here for you, talking Texas football. Longhorns entering a critical stage of their season. They're all critical at this point, but certainly these next two could put the Longhorns into a really good place, but you got to handle business. We'll talk about how they can do it, Kansas and Oklahoma. Uh, it is a fact, Ty, coming off our Just the Fact segment. Uh, FanDuel has opened uh, and released an early point spread for the Red River Showdown. Longhorns up, uh, favored five and a half points. In the Hammer library. it. Hammer it, you While say. you still can. It's going to go up. It has every week. And we'll hear Steve Sarkeesian again coming up saying we are not falling for the poison cheese. We're not. Uh, this is not a trap game. We have our eyes firmly focused on the Kansas Jayhawks. Here's a text from our buddy Kirk Breezy who says that this Kelsey Swift thing is such a huge PR stunt. NFL has made it known they want to attract a younger audience. Think the Toy Story game day stuff. Jersey sales up 400%, 8% increase in female viewership. Kelsey played the role of good boy, did his uh, Pfizer commercials, played the part, got rewarded. Well, uh, I know there are people, including our guest host this morning, uh, Nick Shuley, will be in who believe that. And Nick comes from the uh, the marketing PR world for his career. And yeah, I mean, you know, if it, if it is a marketing stunt, and if it's not, and they're really going out, that's great. Uh, good luck to the couple. But uh, you know, they've played it well. I mean, Travis from Travis Kelsey on his podcast with the whole friendship bracelet thing. Uh, to then on the podcast, and then Jason Kelsey on his radio show he does in Philadelphia, kind of jokingly confirming the the relationship, and then of course she shows up in the suite, and yeah, it's been if it, if it is a ploy, it's been played pretty darn well, and uh, the sheep are buying it, that's for sure. The masses are buying it. One other thing on the just the facts, two other things, Ty. As I mentioned, tonight's game, uh, you know, Rangers have clinched a playoff spot, and props to the Texas Rangers. We'll be watching today for Corey Seager, because Corey Seager got hit on the arm last night in the Angels game. Uh, X-rays negative, thank goodness, for the Rangers, because uh, Corey Seager has been as good a player as there is in the American League when he's healthy. Uh, and, you know, that was one of those when you saw him get hit in the arm, you're thinking, oh, geez, let's hope that's not uh, something, you know, broken bone or something. All of a sudden he's out for the playoffs. Uh, but not the case. Uh, arm contusion, so just a bruise. And he should be okay. Uh, but props to the Rangers because Bruce Bochy's team did what they needed to do. And as I mentioned, this game with the Astros and the Mariners tonight is as big a game as the Astros have played this year, both teams. A winner is in a really good place. And the, if the Astros lose this game with the series looming at Arizona this weekend, also a playoff team out of the National League, uh, this thing gets dicey. And I'm still having a hard time wrapping my, my fan head around the fact that for, between September 11th and September 17th, of this month, the Astros lost five games to the Oakland A's and Kansas City Royals. I mean, I, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, they've earned it, right? They've earned their way out, and they've played their way out. Uh, they can still play their way in, that's obvious. But, um, I, you know, those two teams, as we sit here this morning, the A's and Royals, tie have combined to lose 212 games. 212 games. It's a 109-loss team and a 103-loss team. The A's in their 109, had their 109th loss last night. That's the most they've had in a season since the franchise moved to Oakland in 1968. And you couldn't beat them? It's and embarrassing. You couldn't beat them on your home field with the playoff spot on the line? Not, not many of the Astros fans on the text line have been talking all that trash. Well, I, I think they're like me. They're just like, 
I don't, I don't know how to explain. You can't get your head around it. I mean, you're if you don't make the playoffs because you couldn't beat these two teams one time. Uh, you you lost five games to two teams. One of them's going to lose over 110 games this year. The other one's going to lose over 105 games this year. And you had them on in your building in the biggest games. That as we talked about leading into the month of September, that's when Houston was supposed to separate because the Rangers and uh, and Mariners were going head to head, and they were playing these tough series together. And you were playing the chumps of of baseball, and you were the chumps. Uh, but again, they can still play their way in. They got four game four games to go. But man, that's still that's still hard to, to to understand with the Houston Astros who lost last night six to two. Let's get to your other headlines, your other trending topics to start your uh, busy Wednesday morning. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. Yeah, Texas football excitement building already for next week's Red River Showdown at the Cotton Bowl. Both third-ranked Texas, 14th-ranked Oklahoma off to those 4-0 starts. Growing anticipation for the rivals' final meeting ever as members of the Big 12 Conference. Earlier this week, Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian, though, adamant, confident that this week's game with 24th-ranked Kansas will not be taken lightly and not be overlooked. I think this is a top 25 matchup of two undefeated teams, uh, both very good. We're playing for first place, right? And and our goal is to is to you know get to Arlington in December to compete for a Big 12 championship game, and this game is going to matter a lot in if we have that opportunity or not. And so this game has got our undivided attention. Our focus is on the next mission. And Kansas has that mission. 2:30 Saturday at DKR. Our live pregame coverage goes uh, on at noon. From the Mockingbird Saloon on Guadalupe, I will be rejoined for, with Rod Babers for that, which is great, back from his uh, maternity leave. How about we talk about a little Texas basketball? Yesterday's release of the Big 12 Conference schedule for all 14, team, 14 teams for the upcoming season. That's right, 14, you know, four new schools coming into the conference. The Big 12 will no longer feature that double round robin schedule. It's home and home with everybody. Longhorns are now going to play five opponents twice, and then eight opponents just once, four home, four away in their 18 games. Big 12 play will open for Texas on January 6th. Home games uh, at home against Texas Tech. It concludes at the Moody Center on March 9th against Oklahoma. Texas will play three big Monday ESPN games, hosting Houston in a good one at the end of January. Home against Kansas State on Feb 19 and at Baylor on March 4. Texas tips off their season with the Orange-White scrimmage October 17th. Mentioned baseball at the major league level. How about the minor league level? Round Rock Express fell to Oklahoma City 8-3 last night in Game 1 of that Pacific Coast League Championship Series at the Bricktown Ballpark. A championship on the line, so uh, the Dodgers get the first game. Express look to avoid elimination tonight in Game 2 and force a deciding Game 3. That game set for 7-05. And sad news from baseball yesterday. One of the best ever. Baltimore Orioles third baseman Brooks Robinson passed away at the age of 86. Known as the human vacuum cleaner for his incredible defensive ability at the hot corner. Robinson was an 18-time All-Star, won 17 gold gloves, the AL MVP in 1964. Corn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. I right, appreciate everybody finding the new text line, and um, some are still texting on the old one, but that's fine. But eventually we won't get your message if you text the old one. And so I'm not even going to mention the old number. I'm just going to give you the new number. I don't want to confuse anybody. There is a new number, but it's only one number different than the old one, okay? 512-447-3776 is the new text line number. And don't double text both of them. Yeah, don't I'm do texting that. everybody that is texting the old one, the new number. And, and I don't want to do that over and over again. They're pouring in, so thank you for that, and we appreciate it so very much. We also appreciate the man sitting across from me on his birthday has decided to join us. Oh, happy birthday. I should have said that. To grace you us with his, You're uh, good, man. his presence. <laughs> he is our friend Nick Shuley. 
president of the Austin mu- Music Movement, founder of the Clarkfield Collective, now called the Clarkfield Creative. And uh, happy birthday, my friend. Thanks, guys. And thank you for being here. What a great way to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sitting with me with me for several hours. Hang out and talk sports, man. What, what could be better, honestly? And some music, too. And some tunes. We're going to get the uh, the set list ATX as well. Also, bottom of the hour, Jerry Hamilton will jump in. One of my favorite conversations whenever we can grab him. Uh, talking college football, recruiting, the Longhorns, the game on Saturday. Jerry's one of the best um, in, in, in that field and in, in anything college football. I don't think anyone knows more than that guy. Honestly. Jerry? Honestly. No. Well, I, well, we have him on, and we probably don't set up. He, his, his dad's a high school football coach growing up, so he grown, he's grown up around the game. Uh, and we'll ask him that when we talk to him come up at 7.30, but he's, he's just a junkie. He's, he's an encyclopedia. He, he is. really is. For, I mean, he can, yeah. Well, he, Rod B., <laughs> if he wasn't uh, holding his new baby girl this morning, uh, would tell you that it was Jerry Hamilton that put him on the recruiting map. He was, he was yeah. the first one to well, find Well, Jerry him. was at a Houston Lamar game looking at one of his teammates, who was a big five-star, Jerome Sapp, was a big-time recruit that ended up going to Notre Dame back in the uh, early to late 90s and uh, showed up, and he saw Rod B. and said, man, who's this guy, Roderick Babers? He's really good. Let's let's put him on some radar screens. And uh, Rod still credits Jerry for that uh, way so back cool. 20, 23 years ago, 24 years ago, or more than that. Uh, but it's also cool to have you here. How was the event last night with uh, the the NIL, the Texas One Fund? Yeah, uh, it was cool. Well, this one, <clears throat> pardon me, this one was in Texas One Fund. This was more on the on the Clark Field side because it was the for profit side. But it was uh, DeAndre Moore and his new food. freshman receiver out of California. Yeah, he uh, he and his entire family they 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 took a, a a lot of what he earned in NIL and turned it into a business. And he kind of you know started this this food truck and it's it's employing his uh, his whole family and it's just a cool thing it's called jive turkey and it's all turkey based dishes and uh they had uh i got to i got to try for the first time the the demos famous deep fried turkey tacos oh it was uh it's uh it was phenomenal It, it wasn't the lightest but it was so good so and they the coolest thing i saw is they have this and i'll send ty a pic so he can post it they i've never seen it before it's a plastic cup separated into three sections and in each of the little section of the plastic cup is a different type of Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. And it is phenomenal. And, of course, my mind instantly, and I was with Mark Higgins and Charity Grady, Higgs. who were all there, and they were, our first thought was, this would be perfect for mixing with some alcohol. Like, just, <laughs> you could do tequila in this one, vodka in this Tito's. one. Tito's. <laughs> Wait, so you, it's a cup that you sold. You drink like well, it's and it's got it's separated. It's got like three straw holes. I've never seen it. I'll send it to ah. you. It's super cool. It's uh, I was my mind was blown. But they had like three different flavors of uh, of Kool Aid. I haven't had Kool Aid probably in I, I probably since I well, was. Well, and again, eight. I know. Go ahead, Kool Aid. No, no, go ahead. That was it. <laughs> no, I know a lot of you know. There's still a lot of our audience that's that's not in favor of the NIL and name, image, and likeness, and which of course I always have, and we can agree to disagree on that. But. Um, I mean that's a great story. That's a that's a young guy using football who may never play it down in the National Football League. You know he's, he may never play, but he's he's using this opportunity to help lift up his entire family. Um, and you know one like he made millions of dollars in NIL. It's probably everything that he made, whatever that is, and whatever he can as a freshman wide receiver. But that's the kind of stuff that, that those stories need to be told because that's good stuff right there. And who knows, his family could, you know, Jive Turkey could turn into a franchise. Down well, I, I challenge you if you if you don't believe in NIL and the power of what it's doing, I challenge you to go down there and meet his family and talk to them about this. The entire family's there. Like I met his grandpa, his grandma, his dad, his mom, everybody. They were all there, and his mom runs the show down there. Talia's awesome, and so we what the night last night was we were. 
gathering content. And so we're working with Giant Noise, who's an awesome PR firm out of Austin and a photographer to kind of get all the all the marketing ready because we're going to put a press release out on Friday to try, you know to to really kind of push it out in the community. But it's a it's a good time to go by there while it's not super crowded. Once this press release hits, I have a feeling all the te- <laughs> all the Texas fans are going to going to go nuts on it. And then we're going to work on we're going to I'm going to uh, pressure all my friends over at Longhorn Sports Properties, et cetera, to uh, to get uh, Jive Turkey down there on Bebo Boulevard because I think that would that would be pretty cool you. to see that <laughs> moving and shaking, making things happen. I, I've known Nick, uh, you know. Not, not too long because well I met you when the Clarkfield Collective started yeah that's now right Clarkfield Creative right. you came in and then uh, but then when Tom, you know we do we for years and years and years here on uh, the previous show and now with Rod we do the live music update it's now called Setlist ATX and our man Tom Gimble the former general manager of the Austin City Limits Television Show the man Tom was Gimble. moving on he's now in New York and I hear from Tom quite a bit now he's got his own independent record label that he's launching in New York and his wife's doing her own fashion or interior design which is really cool we're, we're really happy for him but on the day he was saying goodbye you were listening <laughs> uh thank you and then uh, texted me and say hey, man if you want you want somebody to pick it up for Tom I'd love to do it yeah I was dry, and I was never like forget. oh man cuz I didn't know what we were going to do I was like well Tom's just been kind of a fixture he does a great job we you know, highlight music and the live music capital of the world one segment a week and uh and you were there you were there you've locked in and so we've become friends and i don't know if i know someone who's more connected than you and um knows more people and can can get more things done i always whenever i need somebody hey nick can you help me i need to meet this person you know this person. oh i know them yeah let me let me see i just text mark higgins instantly i'm like hey mark <laughs> make me look Higgs. cool here <laughs> oh that's awesome well happy birthday thanks for being here you are 42 today 43 43 yeah lifelong austinite right here you're you're a unicorn you're one of those it's been a while <laughs> you never, you've never lived well have you ever lived anywhere but austin uh i did a couple short stints i did la and new york uh in the uh in, in the, when i was trying to figure out if i wanted to move and uh, all that just made me want to move back to austin more <laughs> okay okay all right so we're talking texas football we're talking uh and we're gonna talk to jerry hamilton at the bottom of the hour i will say this uh i can't i can't confirm this but uh on college football I can't confirm that the Longhorns are a 16-point favorite for this game Saturday. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Texas A&M. So favored in these two huge games. But also from college football, a couple of notes. Ty, I don't know if you heard this, but, you know, the Texas A&M quarterback, Connor Wiegman, got hurt on Sunday, on Saturday, left the game. Max, Max Johnson had to come in and, and help them win that Auburn game. Uh, I've, I've heard that. Kind of balled out. He did. He came in and played well. But Connor Wiegman, the five-star kid from Houston, uh, I can't confirm this, but I've been told from some, several that it might be more serious than originally feared. If you saw that, I thought when if you did you see the injury? It, when I saw that, I was like, oh man, that's not good. Well, they they, they said a couple of you know two to four weeks on Sunday. I'm now hearing that it may be worse than that. It was one of those low leg hits. Yes, and, and I don't know if it was like purpose or not, but it was. It did not look good when I when I watched well, that. I hate to hear that for the Aggies, but the, I mean that's why you want to have a capable backup and Max Johnson. Who you know started games, a lot of games at LSU before transferring to A and M. He's gonna likely have to man that ship, and what I'm hearing, it might be for the rest of the year uh, oh, for man. Texas A and M. And so on, you know, on an individual Saturday, Texas Tech lost their quarterback. Jeez. We know Baylor's already playing without their quarterback. Uh, now Texas A and M uh, could be without um, you know their their QB moving forward, but they they have to feel good about the the capable backup they have there. But that that's tough to navigate the the, the SEC. You've only got you got one win already. And this is the fear for for Texas or anybody else. I mean, you're cruising, but man, it can change pretty quick. Um, you know, think about Oklahoma last year; they were off to a three and zero start, and then went to play TCU, and Dylan Gabriel got hurt, and they got blown off the field by the Horn Frogs. And uh, next thing you know, they were 
You know, they went three and nine in their, their, their you know, they went uh, three and six in their last nine games. Dylan Gabriel's kind of in and out of the lineup. Uh, it can change your fate. And I know Oklahoma's defense was wretched last year. It wasn't just the quarterback, but um, you know, th- those are those are injuries you don't want to see. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's rough, and I, you don't wish that on anybody because it uh, it can happen to you just like that. Yeah, but no, yeah, we'll, uh, but uh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I hope I hope he Connor gets better fast. I'm you know I'm not an Aggie fan, but you don't ever like to see a kid get hurt. No. Uh, all right. Also, this from college football is where it took I me. Mean, obviously, the Deion Sanders story continues to be huge. Uh, that game against Oregon. This it really is amazing. And you're you're from the marketing PR side. That's your career, right? Working with people like Lance Armstrong and Bo Jackson, and uh, you know musicians, and working at C three, and what you do, what you're doing, you're promoting and marketing, right? Yep. Uh, and the, it is incredible how these the, the the game with Colorado and Oregon on Saturday, which was a complete blowout and never close. Remember that game? <laughs> the game was what thirty five to nothing at the half. I mean, it was never close, uh, but it was still the most watched game of the entire college football weekend. More than ten million people. Tuned in more. I mean, more people watched that game than watched Ohio State Notre Dame, which was a great game to the last play. Yet more people tuned into that because of the Deion Sanders casual audience effect. And we already mentioned the Taylor Swift situation, where the blowout of the Chiefs of the Bears had the exact same thing. So this is what all marketers are looking for: casual audience, like our show. We would love to have when the Longhorns get good. We start getting listeners like grandmas are listening to our show who would never normally listen to our show on a Monday because they want to tune in to hear about the Longhorns. Um, you know, when the Longhorns are losing, people would always say to me, um, you know, Longhorns losing, that's good for ratings, right? That's good for, uh, for, for, for listeners. And I'm like, you really just start getting the diehard cranky people. Like, yeah. The casuals tune out. Uh, they'll, they'll go over and listen to Bobby Bones or something or whatever, <laughs> Bob, and, Bob and Sam or whatever, and down at Eric and Bob. Uh, the, but the diehards, which are always going to be there, are going to tune in and they're going to be yelling. But when they win, uh, when they win, uh, then all of a sudden you uh, get the, the, the casuals. And I think that's what we're seeing here uh, in both of these cases. You're a marketing person. You agree with that? That it's the, it's the, cas- the, the folks who would normally not watch a college football game, much less Colorado v. Colorado State. Uh, or Colorado be because again Nebraska was a blowout and not a close game and not a com- like just on paper not a hugely compelling game. Uh, certainly the uh, the Colorado State game at one thirty in the morning with over eight to eight million people watching and then this game there was a blowout with Oregon even though Colorado was losing people were still tuning in to see primetime. Yeah, it's uh, I mean it's a dream for both. I mean you just talked about a college and pro what's happening at these these two moments. I know nobody wants to talk about the swift effect but like that what's that just doing for the nfl which is already one of the biggest entities there is well, in, in america if it is marketing brilliant oh it's it's genius <laughs> and and same i mean dion's the same but i mean i think dion has a lot of substance to it like i think he's he's actually doing some great things hiring good coaches building building things i, I finally started to watch i didn't realize he had that documentary on uh amazon from his uh jackson state days and i started watching that and it's I mean, he he seems like such a cool guy, and and I, I you know who wouldn't want to come play for him, and who wouldn't want to want to be a part of all that? It's it's great, and I think it's you know as much as people you know complain about it, it's it's a polarizing thing, and polarizing things are the things that draw people in. People get mad about oh you know why people used to say that to, to like I remember when Lance would be on the cover of like Outside Magazine or something after even after things kind of went haywire, people would be like. Why you? Why are you giving this guy ink and blah blah blah? Well, it's because you're talking about it, and yeah. because we're talking about it, and because that's that's Free what marketing. people want. Yeah, it's clicks. Everything's clicks. And but uh, but like I said, I think Dion has substance to it. I think look, we you know he 
he put some lipstick on a pig this year with with like getting some of the glamour positions and building things, you know, from the start. But I think once he has a chance to actually establish a program there and get some of those, you know, the big uglies up front, like this thing's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to see what Colorado can do. And I think they're gonna be a player for years to come well, if he and, sticks around. Well, now they're moving to the Big Twelve, which is. Uh... Convenient for yeah. Brett Yormark. As Texas and Oklahoma leaves, you're not going to bring this huge brand that wasn't a huge brand in. And uh, Brett Yormark, the commissioner, is all about branding, which is which is pretty cool. And I'd say this on uh, the the, the uh, tries trying to get us to refocus cameras. Hey, we'll do this at the break. Hey, let's do it at the break. I know. That's okay. I that was that. I was my bad on that one. <laughs> yes, Ty's like giving us like air signals in there. Not that anyone wants Not, to see my face on Twitch, but Twitch, YouTube, <laughs> the pretty face and the the birthday face of one Nick Shuley. But I'd also say this from the uh, the the Dion side. I agree with you. That's why I said shame on Auburn for not hiring him because Auburn had a coaching vacancy uh, and could have hired him. I, I still do not understand. I mean, I think I do of why they didn't. But at the same time, can you imagine? Because here's here's my thing. Now that we're watching this and how compelling it is at Colorado. You know, he was at Jackson State, right there in the deep south. What I mean, Auburn's right there. Yep. I mean, come on. Uh, and Auburn already has pretty good lines of scrimmage. They already have pretty physical players. They've already got a lot of team speed. Can you imagine if you added his son at quarterback and Travis Hunter and some of those skill guys that he brought in? Auburn would be an absolute contender. In an SEC market, too. Like oh, that, my gosh. It would just be – I mean, it's all we do. They already talk about it nonstop, but it would be even it'd be Because Auburn's so. already got a, a, a frothing, passionate fan base. They're a little bit loony. But they're the, like Colorado was dormant. Yeah. Colorado had no fan base. They weren't going to games. Uh, the city of Denver didn't even, you know, <laughs> talk about them. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, you know, it's it's in the by It's past. I won't say it again, but uh, shame on Auburn. But uh, good for Colorado, good for the Big 12, good for Travis Kelsey if it is indeed uh, good marketing. But I will also say this. This is actually a piece of news. Yesterday, the American Athletic Conference commissioner named Mike Oresco said something that I think is pretty important. He said he would support a 12-team playoff model that includes the five highest-ranked conference champions and the seven best-at-large teams. Okay, Now, that's important because of this. Um, so the next year, this year there's a four-team playoff that the Longhorns would like to be in. And if they can win the next two Saturdays, they'll be in that conversation without a doubt. Uh, but the next year and beyond, it's the 12-team playoff uh, begins, right, as all this uh, – you know, conference realignment takes shape, right? Texas and Oklahoma will move to the SEC. All the new schools will move to the Big 12. USC and UCLA will all move into the Big 10, and it'll all settle. And then it's a 12-team playoff. But the working model has been the 6-plus-6 six six model, uh, where six con- the highest-ranked six conference champions would make the playoff guaranteed. So if you win your conference championship and you're, you know, and you're ranked, you're going to be in. To me, which is I think is great because it allows teams to play some non-conference games, you know, big non-conference games, test themselves in the non-con, like Texas, Alabama, uh, like, like Notre Dame, Ohio State. But you can still win your conference uh, and and test yourself early, but still win your conference and guarantee yourself a spot. So it's like an automatic bid. So the the six highest ranked conference and then six at large teams, which conference champion or no, the the committee will choose the six. But with the collapse of the Pac-12, Nick. They are now embracing, and the fact that Mike Oresco, the conference, the American Athletic Conference commissioner, said this yesterday that he would support it. That's a good thing because everybody realizes now the Pac-12 doesn't exist. Yeah. So because the six model was going to be the five power conferences, including the Pac-12, and then one of the the non-power conferences, their one of their champions will be guaranteed a spot. But um, and that could have been for the American Athletic Conference, Conference USA, Mountain West, whatever, wherever that school is, wherever that conference is. 
Well, now with the collapse of the Pac-12, there are only four power conferences starting next year. So those four would be guaranteed a spot. The highest-ranked champion of those four, ACC, Big Ten, SEC, and Big 12. And then one other from the other conferences, not those four. And then the seven at-large teams uh, would be chosen. And if there's support for it, I know that uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, has recently said we need to relook at that now that the collapse of the Pac-12 has happened there in the month of August. So I thought that was pretty interesting that uh, we're, it looks like we're moving towards the 5-plus-7 model, not the 6-plus-6 six six model. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it, it's going to put a it's going to continue to put a lot of emphasis on on the preseason rankings, and uh, you know it's something like you know we all talk about. Of I wish they could rank teams after like four or five weeks, so that we don't have these teams, and I won't name names, that just continually get into the mix and into the playoff without ever actually playing anybody. And I think it, this is going to put even more emphasis on on your preseason ranking. Yeah, uh, and again, the, the 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 even with the four team playoff, they haven't come out with the. Uh, the college football playoff yeah. rankings until late October, which is good. Those I guess little, that's true. Those that's are the true, ones that matter. Yeah. And we know the AP and the coaches, these are all for Would you rather clicks. a computer decide it, like the BCS era or no. the, the committee? No. Uh, <laughs> when they use computers, they use the rankings and the power rankings. I don't know. Judgment. I think I think it's human. I would like the, the human Because people elements. always complained about the BCS Well, system. they're going to complain about it regardless. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, true. whether it's just a computer or people or both, it's always going to be complained about. I, w- I don't worry about that. But much like the March Madness tournament, I mean, it's 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 a committee of people, uh, with the help of strength of schedules and power rankings and those kind of things. They use that, uh, you know, all that all that information. All right, quick timeout. I just wanted to mention that I thought that was interesting with the American Athletic Conference commissioner confirming, yeah, we're we're up for the. Everybody realizes there are only four power conferences now, not five. All right, we'll be back, Jerry Hamilton. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, somebody said on the uh, new specs, or the new text line, the new text line, where did Nick go to high school here in Austin? <laughs> I went to St. Michael's. I grew up in Oak Hill, so I w- technically would have gone to Bowie, and then we moved to Westlake when I was a, a sophomore, I think, maybe. Okay. okay. So, yeah. Okay. West, Southwest Austin, and then West Austin. Uh, Nick Shuley is with us, the president of the Live Music Update. Live Music, live music uh, Austin Music Movement. I'm sorry. Try to get there all you your titles together. I look at your bio. I'm like, I, I didn't know which title. company you were going to go with. So <laughs> you got a bunch. You got a bunch. You're doing a lot. Uh, but he's also here on his birthday, so we appreciate him. Uh, so uh, Austin, lifelong Austinite, and uh, joining us this morning. We'll talk some Texas basketball coming up, too, because the Horns, uh, the Big 12 schedule released yesterday. Unfortunately, no Kansas home game, no KUK. Um, you know, some people think Kansas might be the number one team in the preseason when wow. it comes out. I saw that. Uh, the Athletic.com's preseason rankings have Kansas number one. Someone who would know more about that is with us on the uh, Vaqueros Hotline. He is the senior recruiting advisor there at On3 Sports and, of course, inside Texas. And great friend of our show. He's our buddy Jerry Hamilton. Jerry, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I don't have KU number one. Uh, not, uh, you know, look, Arterio Morris, not there. He's not? Yeah. Big loss for Kansas. Another incident. I hadn't heard that. Well, another yep. incident for Arterio, the transfer out of Texas, and uh, had not seen that. So that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, where do you think, what's your prediction on Jerry and where, where Texas will be ranked? Not that preseason rankings matter. We know this is a brand new roster that we're all going to get to know. But what, where would you have Texas ranked big picture uh, when we look about a month away to the start of the season? Yeah, I, I would say around 13 to 15, 12 to 15 in that range. Look, I think the guards are really good for Texas. Um, 
I think they're going to shoot the ball from three extremely well, like at the highest level Texas has since Abrams, DJ, KD, all those guys rolled through. They had some tremendous shooting teams. I think this Texas team is going to shoot 37 38% from three. Um, so I think this is going to be a very high-level three-point shooting team with multiple guys who – who can knock down the three and spread the floor. I.T. Horton was a big late addition, in my, in my opinion. And Max Aismas, obviously, is one of the best players in college basketball. Brock shoots it well. Tyrese Hunter, I think, will have his best season shooting the three. Um, so I, I think this is a team that has some guys uh, that can really knock down open threes. Um, the whole key for me will be the health of the bigs. I mean, Caden Shedrick's working his way back to 100%. Dylan suit not there. I'm not sure when he gets back on the court. Um, and so I think that's really going to hold the keys there. I think Zarek and Yim, that was a really big pickup. I think he's going to be a very good third big for this team. Then you have Dylan Mitchell, how much he improves. I think it's going to be huge for the ceiling of this team. But I really like the guards on this team. I like the young guards, too, Kendall Weaver and Chris Johnson. I, I think Texas has some quality depth at guard. I think they have some really good front-line starters. But for me, if the Texas team is going to reach its ceiling, which to me could be another second-weekend team, um, it's going to be Caden Shedder, Dylan DeSue, when they, how healthy they are, when they get healthy, then how long does Texas have to put all this together? Because I think they have some really good pieces. Well, it's very similar to Chris Beard's first year when uh, Coach Beard would say to us that uh, yeah, we, our, our challenge now is time. Uh, how much time yeah. does it take for everything to gel and come together with a brand-new roster? But uh, some veteran players, some young players. Appreciate Jerry Hamilton, not just football uh, encyclopedia, but also basketball. Yeah. Jerry, we were talking about your uh, upbringing. You, your father was a football coach. Am I correct about that when you were growing up? Yeah, correct. Uh, about For about 40 years in the state of Texas. Um, Friendswood High School, Nacogdoches, Pasadena Adobe, some places like that. But, yeah, so I – I grew up on the sidelines on Friday Night Lights, man. That was my upbringing. I was a ball boy, and we were actually discussing that on our On Texas Football uh, uh, YouTube live stream last night because we're as somebody asked, how nervous do you get during games? I said, I was more I was nervous as a kid, man, because, like, you're on the bus with the team, right? You're 10, 11 years old. You're on the bus with the team. You feel like you're part of the team. Uh, the the most nervous I've ever gotten was being a ball boy and the the teams my dad coached because you really felt like you were part of the team. It was it was a lot of fun, man. I mean, my dad coached at Nacogdoches, guys. When there was a, it was the district was Lufkin, Longview, uh, Pine Tree, John Tyler, Tyler Lee, Marshall, Texas High, Lufkin, Nacogdoches. One team went to the playoffs. Man. Oh, I mean. It, 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 and for a couple of those years, one team went to the playoffs. It was an amazing district of talent. I mean, obviously, two started going to the playoffs, but there was a time there where only one team from that district went to the playoffs. You'd have a team that was ranked top ten in the state that might not even get in the postseason. That's amazing. That is amazing right there. Uh, and, of course, as you say that, the geography of East Texas, that's some long bus trips you're talking about. You're, you're, uh, these aren't uh, down-the-street kind of moves, man. You're going all through the Piney Woods and all through East Texas. That's a great story. All right, Jerry, uh, let's start with the, the headline. And I know you've been talking about it since Sunday, but we haven't visited with you. Uh, the addition and the recruiting class of Brandon Baker, an offensive tackle, five-star from uh, Modern Day High School, of course, uh, Sark has Sark's son, who's on this Texas team, is a walk-on. Went to Modern Day, so a lot of connection there. But huge get for Texas. Now have the number one ranked tackle prospect in the country for the class of twenty-four, and also the rush, the, the edge rush prospect in Colin Simmons. That's pretty good to start your recruiting class. Oh, it's a great. That was a huge win for Texas with a Brandon Baker. And to me, this recruitment 
really is a credit to what Sark and Kyle Flood have done at Texas. I mean, before they got here, Brandon Baker's not considering Texas. This was not the place to go as a top offensive tackle prospect from outside the state of Texas, right? I mean, let's just be real. That it wasn't a destination. Uh, that kid goes to Ohio State. Um, Texas beats Ohio State, who actually finished second. Oregon third, where his brother played, and then Nebraska fourth. But Kyle Flood's resume for development was huge. Texas moving to the SEC, huge. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, as you said, two decades of, of relationships uh, there at modern day um, it were big as well. You know, look, it, it's one of those things where, and now I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Christian Jones is graduating. So a five-star offensive tackle who plays right tackle for the number one high school team in the country sees a path to the field at Texas. Uh, if, Chris jo- if Christian Jones was a sophomore, that may not be the case as a starter, right? But it kind of everything fit. The father also has family in the DSW area. On the mom's side, they're uh, distantly related to the Akanas. So to Seeley Akana, freshman linebacker, obviously a sister of the national championship volleyball team, a defensive specialist for Texas volleyball. So there were a lot of boxes checked. But I'll tell you the biggest one I really think, guys, is Kyle Flood's resume for development and where this program is going. I mean, I kids see it. I mean, yes, Sark wants to have a strong footprint in Southern California. That's modern day high. That's St. John Bosco high. You don't get those kids over Ohio State if you don't have a trajectory that a kid really likes. And he can say, okay, I can go get developed here. They beat Bama. I see what they're doing on the field. Oh, and I have a great chance to get drafted. Oh, and Kelvin Banks is a freshman All-American. You put all that together, and suddenly Texas is, it could become a destination for offensive linemen. Just think about where we were three years ago. Yeah. Well, and for, for 12 years up until three years ago yes. on the offensive line yes. for Texas, uh, it was more than a decade of, uh, of poor play up front, which really was a, you know, paralleled with the, the success of the program, without a doubt. Nick? Yeah, Jerry, this one this one's a little off topic, but I what sports do you not follow religiously? <laughs> like I mean that honestly, man. I'm I'm always so impressed with your knowledge base, and like you know, I met you through Bobby, but like it's it impresses the heck out of me every time. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You know, what's funny is when I live down in Jupiter, Florida. I mean, I'm a a big golf guy. Now I love golf. I don't have time to play anymore, so I I, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't put the ball and play off the tee you know, on a good course at this point, but. Uh, like when I lived in Jupiter, I used to do the uh, uh, Honda Classic PGA Tour radio show on Sundays there on ESPN West Palm. I love that. I mean, I, so for me, it's more college sports, though, guys. High school and college sports. I love college football. I love college basketball. I, I loved golf at its, when Tiger was at his height, right? I mean, great competitor. It just pushed everybody. It was it was great theater for me. And, you know, he's my age, kind of, you know, it's one of those things. But living down there, getting to know a lot of those PGA Tour golfers, um, so that those are really my sports. I'm not a huge pro sports guy. You know, obviously I tune in to watch KD and some of those guys, right? When TJ was in the league, as TJ, uh, I think you know TJ and I are really good friends, so I'd, I'd watch everything, all, all his games. But I really love the college sports, um, and, and I do, lo- I do love uh, pro golf. I don't, I'm not sure I love pro golf, pro golf now, but I did love it when everybody was playing together on the same tour. Oh, I had no, I had no idea you had the, the golf background. Yeah, well, I'm going to have Jerry back on Friday to do a little Ryder Cup preview, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Ryder Cup tees off in Rome on Friday. Hey, uh, Jerry, now with, with uh, you know, these two five stars, you know, as the foundation of the class, uh, and man, with lines of scrimmage, pretty dang good. Uh, what's next for Texas? I know they got a bunch of guys coming in, and, and we were talking a bit yesterday 
about, you know, the, the, from the list I saw you guys post of who might be visiting Texas for the Kansas game, it's a lot of guys that they've already got commitments from with some guys that are uncommitted and even some guys who are already committed to other schools. I kind of like that to get them all together and you know, see if they can uh, stir the pot yeah. a little bit and maybe flip some guys. Yeah, it's going to be two big weekends in a row because Texas is the host team next week at the Cotton Bowl as well. So they get to bring in the recruits for that game, um, sit on the Texas side. But this weekend, I think DeAndre Carter, we were just talking about Brandon Baker. DeAndre Carter, the four-star guard out of modern day, teammate of Brandon Baker. He's coming in. He's an Auburn commitment. He's coming in with both of his parents for an official visit. This one's been scheduled for a while. He committed to Auburn September 3rd over Texas and Michigan State, but he had not made that Texas official visit. Now he comes in with his parents this weekend, uh, so that'll be interesting. He's a 6'4", 340-pound large human that plays, uh, that is a guard prospect in the next level. I think what'll be interesting with this recruitment is, I think Carter, he was in January 21st with his parents for one of the elite junior days. He really likes Texas. Does he see an easier path, earlier path to the field at Auburn? Who's a couple of years behind Texas, obviously, in a rebuild right now. Uh, so that one'll be interesting to see if Texas can go over that hump, but I, I, I think you guys know this. Steve Sarkeesian would love to add another guy on a modern day. And then in 2025, they got a big time running back Jordan Davison and receiver Marcus Harris, who Texas is all over. So uh, this is a this is a key recruitment uh, for Texas. Obviously, I, I'm really watching next weekend too, guys. There's a chance Ryan Wingo is going to be at the Cotton Bowl, the five star receiver on the on the Texas side as a guest of Texas, right? So I'm really interested to see that game being in Dallas. How many of those Dallas kids are at the game? Uh, against OU. I know we'll be talking about that next week, but I think this 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 visitor week, uh, list this weekend is going to continue to build. I, I'm going to throw a name out. I love to throw names out, the young kids for Texas fans out there. It's a kid, Jackson Christian, out of Port Natchez Groves, offensive tackle. He's a junior, maybe a guard, maybe a tackle at the next level. He's coming in. He was one of the most impressive kids Texas had at their June 11th camp this summer, and they offered him. He's 6'5", 290 with an 82-inch wingspan. Uh, he's coming in this weekend for an unofficial visit. I actually put in an on-three RPM pick for him to commit to Texas eventually. I'm not saying this weekend. I think Texas is in a really good spot with that kid. So uh, some of these offensive line guys are off the radar a little bit early on, but I'm, you know, I, I want to put Jackson Christian on the radar because I know how much Texas likes him. Jerry Hamilton inside Texas and on three sports, their senior recruiting uh, expert, to say the least, also an expert on college football. What uh, should Longhorns' uh, biggest priorities be playing this Kansas team on Saturday? Obviously, this is probably the most dynamic offense they've faced to this point, certainly the best quarterback uh, and most veteran quarterback they've faced to this point. What, uh, what worries you about this game with the Jayhawks? Yeah, I think, I think there's a few things here that are interesting to me. One, Texas hasn't played their best ball at home. Um, that's the first thing, but Look, they haven't played an opponent like Kansas to get their attention. I really think this season has lined up from a coaching perspective so well for Sark and his staff, though. And I think this Saturday is another one like that. <clears throat> you know, they play Rice in the opener. Is 100% of their focus on Rice? Probably not, right? They're looking ahead to Bama. So they didn't play up to their standard for this season against Rice, probably. So Sark had a great week of coaching heading into Bama. Then they beat Bama. They come home for Wyoming. Did they play up to the standard they want to? No. Great week of coaching going into Baylor. Now you have the muff kicks, punt, so you got that from a coaching perspective. But Sark can sit there and tell his guys, look, we play great on the road. I want to see that at home. We haven't had The way we play on the road, we have not performed like that at home. Here's our chance to go 
uh, do this on in front of our home crowd. 108,000 people are going to be fired up Saturday at 2.30. So I think from a coaching perspective, this season's lined up really well for Sark. Next week, you don't have to give a speech about anything, right? This week, you know, it's a great opportunity for this team to prove we're as good at home as we are on the road, right? So uh, then Jalen Daniels is interesting to me because, uh, you know, Jalen Milrow was a guy that if he got outside the pocket, when he just started running vertically, he scared the whatever out of you, right? Because he has that level of athleticism. Jalen Daniels is different. He's not going to blitz you with speed to the edge or vertical speed. He's more like a running back. He, he, he's a patient guy as a quarterback, as a runner. He kind of sets up his blocks. He kind of sees things like a running back. He's not going to explosively make runs on you. But what he's going to do is make you feel like you're playing against a running back when he runs as a quarterback. Uh, so there's that. I think one interesting thing to watch is <clears throat> Kansas will run some option stuff. So Texas hasn't seen that this year. So early in the game, does it take the Texas defense a while to settle into that? Because you can practice against it, but you still haven't reacted to it in the game this season. So that you know they'll they'll run a they'll run a fake counter and come back option off the off the backside of that. There's going to be some things they haven't seen. I'll tell you another one um, for me is. Jalen Daniels is a very good college quarterback. I mean, a very good player. He has a long windup. Uh, I, I call it dropping the ball below the water. Like, he drops that ball down to his hip, and he winds up the throw. He's got a quick arm. Jalen Ford got him last year. I, I, I think guys with a longer release, watch for Jalen Catalan, Jalen Ford, maybe to get a pick this week against those guys. Those guys that have the great instincts, that really study film, uh, that can really read that quarterback – He's going to give them an opportunity in the passing game. But I think this game for Texas comes down to offensive, defensive line. Uh, watching the BYU game, I think Kansas is a really good football team. But I do think Texas has an advantage on both lines of scrimmage, especially in the heat of the day in Austin, especially with Kansas only traveling 65 guys, right? It's a road game for them. Um, Texas has an advantage. If the Texas defensive line comes out and stuffs Kansas, Against their on their scripted plays, then Kansas could be in for a long day. If Kansas has some early success offensively and maybe hits Texas on some things they haven't seen this year because they just haven't seen an offense like Kansas, then it could be a really good game. I think on the offensive side, if Texas' offensive line holds up well and they run the ball, Kansas wants to play a zone. Uh, they if Texas runs the ball well and could get Kansas out of their comfort zone defensively, I think Texas could have a really good day. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. That's what we needed. Uh, there's a good overview. Thank you, bud. Jerry Hamilton, Inside Texas. You yeah, also see him on that On Texas Football channel on YouTube for Inside Texas all the time, doing great stuff with myself and Rod and uh, Bobby Burton and the whole crew there at Inside Texas. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Jerry Hamilton. There you go. That's the breakdown you needed. I agree with them 100%. We come back. We're going bullish or BS. Uh, bullish or BS on uh, should the Minnesota Vikings consider trading Kirk Cousins to the Jets? Should that conversation be had? We'll tell you about it coming up. Also, level of concern, bullish or BS, Cowboys with the Patriots. And we'll get that coming up as well, plus the other college football conversations. E. Hogan, Nick Shuley is here. Uh, Ty is through the glass. It's Ian Rodby. Hook him up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Happy birthday to Nick Shuley, who's uh, sitting in with us this morning as Rod Babers continues his uh, daddy duty. We still have not heard a name. I can't confirm or didn't, that they haven't named the baby, but we have not been told what that name is yet. 
He said he was going to let Ty name it, was what I heard. We're so. for, well, if they let us do it, it's Beyonce. <laughs> because she's Destiny's Child. Oh, nice. <laughs> see? Nice. Uh, okay. But yeah, Beyonce Babers uh, would be great. But uh, we'll see. That's going to be up to he and Mel of uh, what they come up with, obviously. But can't wait to find out. And uh, Rod says everybody's doing good. They haven't even been uh, released from the hospital yet. They're still there. They'll be leaving today, I think. And as uh, I've said, all fathers know there'll be that... Uh, Long, slow drive home. You never drive slower or safer than you do when you put that first baby in the car. By the third baby, you're like, you don't care. (laughs) You're letting them drive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But that first one, man, you are tiptoeing around if you can do that in a car. Um, Hands at 10 and 2. 10 and (laughs) 2, blinkers, under the speed limit. There's something. It's it's God's way of, I don't know, there's something. And you almost feel like you're floating, not driving. And you just want to. Put bubble wrap around your car. It's a really amazing feeling. But uh, congrats to Rod. Uh, happy birthday to, to Nick. And uh, a little quick bullish or BS because we went a little long with Jerry, but it was worth it. That was good intel on Kansas and Texas and obviously the Longhorn recruiting effort and where they're going. Uh, it's amazing how they're you know bullish and, or BS on this, Ty, uh, Ty and Nick. You're, you're big into the NIL space, Nick, um, and you are a, a Longhorn graduate. But uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're bullish on this this national recruiting push that Sark is doing, right? He's going to recruit in Texas, but this staff goes coast to coast. This I mean getting C.J. Baxter out of Florida and you know, guys out of St. John Bosco, like your guy you were working with last night, DeAndre Moore, and uh, St. Modern Day. You, that, that's how you you grow a program, right? Yeah, we, are, we it was funny. We, DeAndre and I were actually talking about last night because I don't I don't know that area real well, so I was asking him kind of. Because he he obviously knows St. John Bosco. Yeah, so he went to Bosco, and they're big rivals, modern day, and so those are the two schools. And I was trying to understand kind of the lay of the land, what the schools were like, who draws from where. And he said that you know modern modern day is a school that kind of draws from all over Cal. Everybody moves into to the district to kind of play there, and um, and he said, but it's he said it's one of those things where you all know each other. So like everybody knows each other, and and uh, he was talking about his relationships with the with guys that are currently there, guys that are you know like. You know, or the guys that went there, and they, you know, he was—I I forget who he was talking about. He had a—he had like a—it was like a, a gentleman's bet with somebody else that went to when they played. <laughs> it each sounds other like if there were like, private schools in like South Dallas or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he, yeah, he said it's—he like said big it's, private schools. Yeah, he said they're like uh, obviously like known for their football, but but that it's uh, it's very incestuous where everybody in the area just kind of knows each other. Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, same but John Bosco, DeAndre Moore, and now the modern-day kids. Of course, Sark's son, who's a walk-on linebacker at Texas, he went to modern-day. Hey, uh, Ty and Nick, are you guys bullish or BS on this? The The Vikings have started 0-3. They lost to the Chargers at home. Now, by the way, 0-3 and two home losses already for the Vikings. Jets are in a panic. There's talk that the uh, locker room's coming apart because they all, the players, know that Zach Wilson's garbage. Uh, but Robert Sala keeps saying he's our guy. So you, you risk losing your team if you continue to try that guy out there. They know gives them no chance to win. Should they make a bullish or BS on a trade for Kirk Cousins going in? And I think both sides, it makes sense for both because it's a great quarterback draft coming up. They're not – Kirk Cousins in the last year of his deal, they're probably they – got to decide if they want him back or not. And if you trade Kirk Cousins, you're going to lose a lot of games this year in Minnesota, which puts you in line to maybe draft one of these top quarterbacks – to replace him, and the Jets would have a quarterback that would keep that locker room together. Bullets or BS, Ty? Uh, yeah, I would do it if I was both teams. Both teams? Seems like it's time. I was wrong about the Vikings winning the AFC, or NFC North this year. I'll say that now at this point Nick? in the season. <laughs> yeah, I'm bullish on it. I think they, sh- I think they should do it. And, and you know, like they're they're in the driver's seat now for Caleb Williams if they keep doing what they're doing. So, so go ahead and dump Kurt and, you know, do what the Cardinals should have done instead of beating the Cowboys. 
All right, uh, we'll come back. When we do, it will be uh, the 8 o'clock hour, and we'll roll forward. More on Texas. Sark saying there's no uh, trap game here with this Kansas game ahead of the OU game. Also, the baseball, biggest game of the season for the Houston Astros is tonight. Also get you an update on Corey Seager. Got hit in the arm last night. We'll get you the latest uh, as we roll forward on a Wednesday. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.